Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today I'll be chatting with Dr. Michael Hennis about the top three reasons we still have post-concussion symptoms. Really excited to dive into this topic today. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, as well as the Concussion Discussions series, all available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can always learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer, and I invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Michael Hennis, and he is a doctor of chiropractic medicine and a board-certified chiropractic neurologist at the Neural Connection. He received his doctorate in chiropractic from Northwestern Health Sciences University, graduating with both his doctorate and bachelor's in human biology. Prior to this, he studied human biology at Minnesota State University, Mankato, and he currently holds a diplomat in functional neurology from the American Chiropractic Neurology Board and is a certified brain injury specialist through the Brain Injury Association of America. He has completed thousands of hours of additional postgraduate coursework, and he has a special interest in in working with neurological rehabilitation, neurochemistry, and nutrition, and working with traumatic brain injury, concussion, vestibular disorders, and migraine disorders. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Hannes. So happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Well, Let's maybe start, um, I'm trying to think of where to start. Let's maybe start by just having you share with us, how did you come to work in brain injury? Um, what, what was your journey that led you here to working with TBI patients? Sure. Uh, mine's a little bit roundabout, actually. Um, I knew early, early on in, in, in high school even that I wanted to be a chiropractor. Um, I had a couple of neck injuries more or less. I had torticollis a couple of times through, through my life um, and had those fixed up. Um, and when I got to chiropractic school, um, I'm not picking on the schools. I just I, I found it not, not super interesting if I'm, if I'm honest, um, which, is, which is kind of too bad because I was really excited about it for a lot of years. Um, and that led me to start searching around to different uh, knowledge bases or, you know, what can I do with this? I'm in school. I've taken out a bunch of money to be here. So I, you know, I don't really want to want to abandon it right mm-hmm. away. And that led me to functional neurology, um, and studying how the brain works. And that led to brain rehab. 
And that led me to realize that I myself had had several concussions because, I mean, this was early 2000s when I was playing sports and getting hit and, and, and beat up in those, and it was just not a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. But my, my GPA in high school started to drop. I had some attention issues. I had some emotional ability issues, meaning um, I was really easy to – I got a really short temper really fast, and that really wasn't wasn't me. Um, and so in studying functionality, I came to discover those things about myself. And then um, I got into brain injuries because concussions really are the quintessential um, functional neurology issue, right? There's nothing wrong with the brain on imaging, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but the, the brain just isn't quite working the right way. And so it really became how do you rehab those things, and that got me got me super interested, and then obviously I had some vested interest in this as well, um, trying to work on work on my own issues. So that's how I ended up here. It wasn't directly because I was injured myself, although um, that was that was certainly the case. I played football. I played soccer. Um, I snowboarded. I got knocked out once or twice in Taekwondo in college. So, I mean, there were, there were injuries, and I probably mm-hmm. should have known better, but at the time I didn't. So that's, yeah. that's my story. Yeah, and I mean – you know, and at that time in general, people just didn't know that much about concussion and brain injury. So, you know, not right. surprising that I, you know, I meet yeah. so many people. I have good friends that I'm like, you have a brain injury. Like, I just know you do. And they're like, oh, no, I've never, I've never hit my head. And I'm like, have you ever been in a car accident? Oh, yeah, when I was 14, we were in a really bad rollover, and we almost died. <laughs> like, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's funny when you're in this world long enough, and I'm sure you see it all the time, like, it, you can spot brain injuries um, that people don't know they have. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things in a conversation I have with people all the time is, one, I'm a chiropractor, right? So I, people always ask me neck pain, back pain, stuff like that. Or I have yep. this disc herniation. What should I do about it? Like, well, everybody has one. Brain injuries are kind of the same way because when you were four years old, <laughs> you probably tried the Superman off the couch and you maybe didn't hit, hit your head on the floor, but you probably bounced. And that was probably enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe you recovered from it. Maybe you didn't. Um, but like you said, car accidents, skiing accidents, yeah. um, non-contact sports. sports. Uh, cheerleading, volleyball is huge. I see a lot Oof. of cheerleaders and a lot yeah. of volleyball players uh, because yeah. you don't you don't think of it necessarily as as you do with um, proper contact sports, if you will. Um, so yeah, it's 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 funny. People are well, I don't know these headaches just popped up. Uh, did they though? <laughs> um, if we really really dissect someone's history, chances are we find something. Um, but yeah. in the end, it doesn't really matter. The symptoms are there, and we're going to rehab them the best we can. Well, let's jump in to your topic today of three reasons you still have post-concussion symptoms. I'm super curious um, to hear what these top three reasons are, according to Dr. Hennis, um, because I think, you know, okay, I have I have another question that I don't want to go down too big of a rabbit hole, but I'm hoping you can kind of give us, you know, a, a, a quick high level answer to this. Because you all meet right, people. I'll do my best. <laughs> you meet people <laughs> who you know we've all had brain injuries. Some of us are five years out, ten, twenty, whatever, and some have recovered more than others, right? And I know that's mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating to some people like how are you recovered and I'm not right like 
I know there's no like perfect answer to this, but like how how can we kind of give a general broad answer to that? Sure. Um, you're right. The answer is is complicated and many facets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just give you a laundry list, and I'll probably get a little bit of hate for this, but but here goes. If there are psychological issues, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. ADD, um, that aren't addressed, they predispose you to chronic post-concussion syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times in some of my patients that aren't getting better, I suspect there is usually some undealt with psychological trauma. So that can be a big one. Um, nutrition, mm-hmm. we're Americans, we don't always eat the best. Mm-hmm. And nutrition is mm-hmm. a big piece that can hold us back. That's actually one of the, the three secret reasons. Yep. Um, not really a secret, but, you know, we, we're not super good at it. Um, and yeah. then the, the, the last one is kind of, uh, if it's not your first injury in particular, and, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe the parts of the brain that aren't working didn't, didn't fix themselves very well between injuries, uh, the brain's gonna default to, to its weakest state, right? You're, you're, it's kind of like the weakest link scenario where if one part of your brain can't push on, then you're, you're not gonna get better. And so maybe the first part wasn't rehabbed or developmentally, you know, maybe you weren't the most coordinated kid and that part of your brain just never worked very well to begin yeah. with. And uh, you yeah. got an injury and, and now it's too much, you know, it's, it's hard to say and everybody, everybody's different. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the hard part. And I, I certainly, you know, I, I certainly can't fix everybody. And so I get just as, just as frustrated trying to figure out why some people aren't getting better and people that have horrendous injuries, they, they get better in a couple of weeks. And it's, it's, it's frustrating and yeah. very humbling to, to, to see that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add to that. I, I feel like a lot of folks don't get the proper treatment and that's no yeah. fault of their own. Our healthcare system is just very broken. And I know from my yes. own experience, I spent three years wandering around being told there's nothing we can do for you. Um, and then I met, you know, functional neurology and completely changed my trajectory. Um but I, you know, I, I see this so often, or they're just sent to PT a couple times and that's it, or, you know, it, I do think there's a huge, huge gap between traditional health care and alternative health care. And, you know, I don't know the answer. I'd be a millionaire if I could figure out how to bridge <laughs> that gap. Yeah. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing because I find there's a lot of difference between concussion management and there's a lot of people that manage concussions, not a lot of people that treat them. Yeah. And as a consumer, it can be very hard to understand the difference between that. But if you're going in for a checkup every two weeks and they're asking how your symptoms are, but they're not really rec- making recommendations, yeah. you're in a management system, not me- necessarily a treatment mm-hmm. system. And then obviously our mm-hmm. healthcare system is siloed. So you'll get someone that does vestibular rehab and orthopedic rehab and someone that does nutrition and someone that does vision therapy. The beauty of functionality is we dabble in all of those things. I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none, but that makes me better than a master of one because I know how to mix those things together. And if I have to, I refer out, but doing the right thing at the right time at the right intensity is, is in the right combination is usually, usually the key. Um, and sometimes doing, working on symptoms one by one just doesn't, doesn't cut it sometimes. Right. All right. Well, let's jump in to your top three reasons. Sure. Um, 
Well, the brain is really our final frontier of healthcare, right? It's this very intricate thing, and we have to figure out how how everything works. And I've been very privileged in working with some of these complex and neurally, neurologically compromised people um, to learn some things about it. And when we are looking at this, we have to figure out where that complexity breaks down. And the brain is complex, but really at the end of the day, it only needs a few things to survive. It needs activation, it needs fuel, and it needs oxygen. And if we can figure out why the brain, or more specifically the different parts of the brain that aren't working aren't getting those three things, uh, then we can start to make some changes. Uh, the biggest thing for people to realize first is concussions and brain injuries in general. I talk about concussions because that's what I work with most, um, but they suck. It's, it's really as simple as that. And it's not your fault, right? It's not something you planned. It's not something that you deserved. It's not something that you had coming or, um, you know, was, was in, in some – the universe isn't out to get you. Let's, let's put it that way. So that's, that's kind of the first thing to realize. That's not really a secret. That's more of a preamble. But you have to remember it's not your fault. You didn't do anything evil to deserve it or anything like that, okay? Um, Let's, let's just go into it. The first thing that you have to realize, the first secret, if you will, is that imaging doesn't always tell the full story, right? Modern yeah. imaging is easily one of the greatest advancements in medicine to date, right? MRI has only been around since the 70s, in common use since probably the 80s, and it's become huge. We're getting these massive five or seven Tesla magnets where you can see individual uh, connective tissue fibers in a knee and a brain, and it's it's really, really impressive. The problem with it is, is it only tells us about the structure and not the function. You can get functional MRIs, you can do PET scans, you can do uh, blood flow analysis through MRI, and you can get some other good information from that, but by and large, um, we're looking at the structure. And yes, you can see some some really cool stuff on an MRI, but you also have to have 50 to 70% damage or change in that tissue for something to really show up. So if you have a concussion and the tissue itself is actually fine, that MRI was good because it told us that you don't have a penetrating injury or you don't have a hydrocephalus or you don't have a bleed, but it's not going to tell us that your left parietal lobe isn't working and that's why you don't know where your right hand is in space anymore, right? That's not going to show mm -hmm. up on your MRI. So imaging only tells us about the structure and not about the function. Do I order imaging? Yes, I do. Most of the time, though, people have it by the time they get to me, and that's great because we know it's not a medical emergency issue to deal with and that I've got something that I can go ahead and rehab. If they don't have them, then I, I will still send out for those things, especially in the acute phase um, because a brain bleed is going to be a whole different treatment than concussion rehab. So we, we still have to rule those things out. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you go in and say, well, your MRI is clean, you've got a mild concussion, just wait two weeks and, and those symptoms will go away. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I had heard that, I also would be a millionaire and retired. Anyway. That's just kind of how it works. Um, you, you know, analogy, I just want like to use address... Yeah. I just wanted to take a minute quick to talk about the functional MRIs. And um, yes, they're available, but they're definitely not paid for by insurance. Um, I had yeah. the privilege of having one. Um, I was gifted one um, by Cognitive Effects. And um, it really 
didn't tell me anything that my functional neurologist hadn't told me. So my thorough exam with functional neurology found exactly the same thing that the functional imaging found. And I found that really fascinating. Like they lined up identically. Um, and I once had a neurosurgeon tell me, you know, MRI was, has made doctors lazy. And before we had MRI imaging, traditional doctors did the same beds, bedside exam that funk neuros do now and could find these things. And now they just want to look at an MRI image and see if there's damage or not and move on. Um, so I found, I found that really fascinating coming from the mouth of a neurosurgeon. Um, just, you know, how technology isn't always a good thing. It, it yeah, you know, some some doctors get it, back. and I'm, I'm always I'm always looking for the the medical world, the people that I guess realize those things. Uh, there was a paper mm-hmm. a couple of years back, and it was titled Hyposkilia. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know who uh, which institution offered it or authored it, but it was basically saying that we don't learn these skills anymore because you're, you're exactly right. We used yeah. to have to find all this stuff by the bedside, and yeah. um, I've been I've sent my notes out before, and I've had doctors say, well. What do you mean? They can do it, so it must be good enough. It's like, well, sure, they can do it, but they almost vomit when they do. So that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So that's always that's always tough. All right. Well, um, let's move on to number two. Yeah. So number two is that bad inputs create bad outputs. Think of your brain yeah. kind of like a computer, right? Um, I guess depending on your age group, I grew up where you still had to learn how to use a calculator in school before we had cell phones for, for everything. <laughs> um, but you still have to learn how to use it, right? Uh, if you're working in spreadsheets, if you're using calculators, if you're into any kind of computer programming, if your code is not good, if your equation is bad, you forgot the negative sign or a decimal point, the answer you get isn't going to be the right one. And your brain works the exact same way, right? There's a little more complexity because all the different parts of the brain are constantly talking to one another, um, but we have to have good information coming into the brain so that we can make good decisions coming back out. So in our office, we like to use this example of three friends that went to a party. If you had three friends that went to a party and they were all there and you asked them about it, they should all tell you relatively the same story, right? We're going to have a little bit of perspective difference, but they're going to be able to tell you what kind of music was playing. Where was it? What time did it start? I always like to know what kind of food was there because I like food. Um, But if one of your friends wasn't there or they were giving you a different story from the other two, who are you going to believe, right? Well, maybe this is your best friend. They wouldn't lie to you, but they're giving you bad information. So you have to kind of uh, make this decision about the information. And our brain relies on our senses to tell it where it's are. So as far as our brain is concerned, our three friends are our eyes, our muscles and joints, particularly of our neck, and our vestibular system, this inner ear that tells us when we're moving, even if our eyes are closed. Okay? This is responsible for things like vertigo. It's responsible for perceiving a lot of our movement um, through our muscles and joints and in conjunction. So if one of those senses doesn't match the other two, or worse yet, all three of them are kind of miscalibrated. Our brain has no idea where we are, and that will a lot of times result in some kind of symptom, whether it be tightness, 
because your brain doesn't know where you are, so it locks your neck muscles up. Or POTS, or dysautonomia as a general term. You stand up, your brain should have known that was coming, tightened your muscles appropriately, moved blood into all the right places, but when you stood up, there's no more blood in your brain and it can't quite do its job anymore. So we have to figure out where that coordination broke down. And this is where chiropractic training is huge for functional neurologists in particular. Most of us are chiropractors, um, but we learn how to rehab the body through physical means. And in functional neurology, we learn how to use that input to stimulate the brain specifically. So do I do adjustments? Yes, I do. Do I do stretching? Yes, I do. But I do it in a consequence of how that influences the brain rather than to say, I just need this joint to move. The question is actually, why doesn't this joint move and is an adjustment the right thing to get it moving? It might not be. I might need to do some visual training or some vestibular training. Or maybe it is just a matter of you sit at a computer all day and you don't move around and we need to just get your neck moving again, right? It can be any number of those things. So number two is really garbage in, garbage out, meaning we have to have good coordination between all of our senses. All of our friends have to be telling us the same information about where we are in space so that our brain doesn't give us all of these goofy symptoms, which are really just warning signs that something isn't right and your brain doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Does all that make sense? Yeah, and I mean, kind of going back, to what you said earlier, too, about how if somebody already has an impaired system, like maybe it didn't fully develop properly, um, and how that can amplify whatever might be going on, right? Like if they already have – like I suspect I already had some eye stuff before my brain injury because, like, my eyes could make me dizzy, if that makes sense, Um, and then – after my brain injury, you know, that was even more amplified. Um, that was probably my, my number one problem. Um, so I can totally see how if you already had something going on before your brain injury and then the brain injury just, like, exemplifies it, um, how that's even more challenging to overcome. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I I wasn't the most coordinated kid, so I'm assuming my vestibular system was probably not the most developed. So then I think most of my issues are, are vestibular. I, I know all my, most of my issues are vestibular, but I don't get dizzy. I have trouble coordinating my thoughts. I'm tired all the time because my brain's constantly trying to figure out where I am. If I, yeah. if I stick up on my, on my rehab or, you know, what have you, I do, I do a lot better. Um, but in my case, that's just it. Or, Let's look at a a real-life example. You got in a fender bender and got a minor whiplash injury that maybe only took a couple weeks to rehab, but you ended up with another injury or a head injury or you went skiing and bumped your head at some point. Well, you already didn't have good information coming from your neck because those muscles were irritated. They were stretched out. They weren't giving you good information about what was going on. And then you got a concussion on top of it, so you were already Mm -hmm. suffering, not having good proprioceptive input, not having good information from your muscles and joints, and then you racked the whole system again, and so now you're trying to calibrate out of two injuries again. You don't know when you turn your head, how far did I turn it? How far do I have to move my eyes the opposite direction? How tight do I have to make my spinal muscles so that I don't dislocate my neck while I turn my head? And you end up with symptoms, right? Maybe it's spasms, maybe it's dizziness, maybe it's dysautonomia. Who knows, right? That's, that's, that's between you and your brain and my job to try and figure out. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so um, let's talk about number three. Number three is a very broad category, and I usually just leave it at food is medicine, right? We alluded to this mm, earlier on, yes. and that is the probably the biggest – I don't know if I'd say the biggest. It's either the number one or number two thing that's, that's ignored in brain injury rehab, whether it be concussion or stroke or what have you, is nutrition. Um, the other one is mental health, psychological issues that may or may not have been dealt with. I'm not going to delve into that because I don't have any scope in it, so we refer out for those things. But nutrition is huge. Nutrition is this keystone to health. I tend to refer to nutrition as fuel delivery, and that can be everything from your sleep habits to the food you're eating to the hydration you have to the supplements you're taking or not taking, um, environmental things like do you live in a moldy environment? Do you have lime? Do you have um, particulate matter in the air? Because uh, there's, a, there's a factory near me that burns old textbooks, so there's constantly smoke in the air. You know, i got to know those things, so i got to put better air filtration in my house, and i got to pay attention if they're burning when I go outside. All of those things affect my metabolic systems um, from an inflammation standpoint and how activated is my immune system. Um, so I loop all of those things into this, into the metabolism, into the fuel, into the food. Um, let's keep it really simple, and we'll just kind of stick to nutrition today. Nutrition really encompasses all of those things. It also encompasses gut health. Gut health, or your gut really contains about 70% of your immune system. It makes a whole bunch, a majority of a neurotransmitter called serotonin, um, which is really important for brain function. So really, when we're looking at a brain injury, we have to also consider gut health. Why? Because your brain stimulates your gut. And if your brain is no longer working appropriately, it can't stimulate that gut, and you're going to end up with an injured gut mucosa. So you've heard the term leaky gut. If you haven't, you're living under a huge rock for the last 10 years. Um, it, even mainstream medicine is starting to figure this out, which is really cool. Um, and I'm excited to see where this goes. When we have an injury to the brain, that gut can become damaged, and that means that we're no longer able to digest or pull nutrients out of our food and also keep our body separate from our internal environment, right? So if you think about it, you chew this food up, you swallow it, and it's moving through, and you want that to be separate from your, from your bloodstream, from your gut mucosa from all of these things. You want it to be packaged up appropriately. So really, we need to have good nutrition, make sure that our bodies are in tip-top shape before an injury, right, especially if you're in some kind of high-risk activity. What are those things? Obviously, contact sports. If you drive for a living, you spend a lot of time on the road, you're more prone to car accidents. Yes, you're probably a better driver and more alert, more defensive, but it's not you you have to worry about. It's the other driver. I live in Minnesota. We just got a whole bunch of snow. I drove back from Thanksgiving at 40 miles an hour because there was flash ice on the roads. It made for a very long drive. But all of those things are out of my control. Something that is in my control is my nutrition. What is my inflammatory status before a possible injury occurs? Likewise, if you're in an intense rehab program, you have to have good building blocks before you go do the rehab, right? We go back to the road trip example. If you're setting out on a road trip, Amy, I know you do this once or twice a year. 
do you leave your house with an empty tank of gas? <laughs> I doubt right. it. It just no. doesn't work, right? You have to have this stuff in your system prepped before you do the work. So if you're coming into my office and doing rehab, one of the first things we ask you is, well, what's your diet like? What do you eat? Because if it's not good, I'm not going to be able to do rehab. It's not going to do you or me any favors, and we're probably going to have a really hard time getting you to do uh, getting your brain to do what we want it to do. So nutrition really is this cornerstone of a good rehab program. And it doesn't matter what you're rehabbing. Obviously, the brain is kind of a diva that needs all of these things to do really well and is really sensitive to chemical changes. But even if you're trying to rehab something as simple as an ankle sprain, nutrition is going to play a component in that that is really really heavily ignored in our current medical system. And that's, that's really too bad yeah. um, because yeah. the patients that we find that do really well either have really good nutrition to begin with or they're willing to make those changes. And it, it can be difficult and it takes, you know, I'd like to tell you I can make, make that change permanent in six weeks, but it's, it's a lifelong process to keep your nutrition good. And mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea and say, look, you can't ever eat these things. I always teach food freedom. But what you have to realize is, um, for example, I don't do well with dairy. That doesn't mean I don't eat ice cream, but there's probably going to be some consequences for me, usually brain fog for a right. day or two. But that just keeps me from doing it more than once or twice a year. Yep. Yep. So I um, Knowing knowing, I, knowing what you – go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Knowing what your consequences um, are is the bigger piece. (laughs) We're just talking over each other. Um, Yes, I went uh, gluten-free. It's been almost two years now. Um, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to try it. And, I mean, I noticed within two weeks my brain fog was gone and my joint pain was gone. And now I know if I eat a piece of bread, a regular wheat bread, I'm going to be miserable tomorrow. I'm going to have a headache. I'm going to have a sore body. Um, so I don't do it very often. And I'm actually really glad I react so quickly because um, it does, you know, make me think twice. Like I, I don't want to feel that way. Um, so if I choose to cheat, I know I'm going to, you know, have a price to pay the next day. Um, but, you know, when I your have symptoms that make you earn it. Yes, yes, right. So, but I have that freedom. I know, okay, I'm going to have that hunk of bread because I really want it and I'm going to feel like crap tomorrow. <laughs> um, so it's a choice, you know. And um, like you, I only do it a couple times a year. Like it's it, it's gotten to the point where it's just not worth it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. man, I'm good. Um, For anybody I listening that said, I've done gluten-free, I've done dairy-free, I've done whatever, I've done all these crazy things, and I don't do, I don't notice anything, the biggest thing that I have realized through my own experience and through my patient's experience is Gluten and dairy in particular, they're very sticky proteins, and it takes a long time mm-hmm. to get them out of your system. Mm-hmm. So if you've done that for any less than, say, 30 days, especially if you're not using an enzyme to clear that stuff out, you really haven't gone gluten and dairy free. Because if you've yeah. actually eliminated it, just like Amy said, if you consume some, your symptoms will come back very quickly. But if you never got all the gluten out of your system – you're really not going to notice much, and then you're going to cheat and you're going to eat a piece of pumpkin bread, for example, like you said, 
and you're not going to notice anything. You might be a little bit crabbier, but it's not, you're not really noticing it. Whereas if you've been very, very good about it, you've removed it and your system is truly clean and then you eat it, exactly that. It's headaches, it's migraines, it's whatever symptom you have is probably coming on in the next 24 hours. Um, and the other thing is that everyone assumes because it's the gut that it has to be GI symptoms, meaning you get constipated, oh, right. you get runny stools, right. you get cramping and bloating, and that's not yet. Most of yep. celiac disease symptoms, gluten sensitivity, I'm sorry, gluten allergy symptoms are actually neurological, whether it be pain or headaches or migraines or dizziness. They do have gut symptoms, but most of them are neurological, and the same goes for any other food sensitivity, right? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because people say that all, to me all the time. Like, is it like your gut hurts? I was like, no, my head hurts and my body hurts. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought I can't that string up. three thoughts thing, together. I, I walked into a room. I don't know what it is. Tell me, um, how do they word it? Basically, they've reduced their gluten or their dairy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, like you were just saying. That's not how it works. It, you know, takes like right. seven to ten days to get out of your system at a minimum. Um, right. So if you're having gluten or dairy every few days, it's never getting out of your system. So, like, right. you might as well not even bother. Yeah, that's kind of an all or none, which is which is too bad because the, the American idiom is, is, you know, everything in moderation and – I think we just have to redefine what moderation is. Like you said, I eat ice cream twice a year. It's usually Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, and then that's it. And then come January 1, because it's easiest for me, the new year resets as I go through my gut repair program, usually with my patients, because they, they need a little bit of motivation. They need to see the doctor suffer with them. <laughs> uh, but we fix stuff, and we all start to feel better, and it, it goes pretty well for me now because I've been doing it for a couple of years. Well, I'm glad you were talking because apparently my iPod's disconnected. Can you hear me okay now? I can, yes. Um, can you okay. hear me? That <laughs> we we lost each other earlier, I so heard me. Um, I didn't realize. Okay, my phone's being super glitchy right now. Okay, sorry about that, everyone. You can hear me now, though. Okay. I can, yes. Great. All right. Well, Dr. Hennis, we are just about out of time. And so I want to make sure we take a moment to mention how people can find you. Um, And your website is theneuralconnection.com. And wherever you are listening, I have a clickable link in the show notes, but it's neural, N-E-U-R-A-L, theneuralconnection.com. Um, and tell us a little bit, you know, like, do you offer a free consultation? Where are you located? Let us know all that jazz. Absolutely. Um, we like to talk to everybody that comes into our office ahead of time because we want to know what your goals are. We want to know what sorts of things are going on with you. So we have a good idea if we're the right fit for you because it doesn't, doesn't serve anybody for you to come into our office have an exam, and then we find out that we're just not the person to rehab your issue or that you're not ready for rehab because, like we said, you've got some nutritional things to work on. So we do that with everybody. Everybody that comes in has a, has a consultation. 
Um, sometimes even if we have repeat folks, so you, you had an injury, you got a new one, uh, and you need some help, you know, are we still the best fit for you or do we need to send out? So, yes, everybody does a free consultation. Um, we take 30 minutes. We talk about what's going on, what's, what, what you're, what's going on, what do you want fixed, and, and do we think we can help and, and what that looks like. Um, we have two offices currently. We have an office in Edina, Minnesota, and then one in Bloomington as part of um, we are actually in one of the chiropractic schools clinics called the Sweary Clinic, um, and that one does schedule separately, but um, if that's where we think we need to see you, then we, we'll tell you how to get in touch with them. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Hennis. This has been a wonderful conversation. Um, and, again, if anyone would like to get in touch with you, they can find you um, through the clickable link in our show notes, theneuralconnection.com. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to catch up again, too. Yeah, likewise. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just a reminder, you can always find previous episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify, or directly at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Amy Zelmer. And also remember to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it for just five bucks at buymeacoffee.com slash Amy Zellmer. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.